This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to part two of the Weekend Mailbag. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. Joined, of course, again by the owner, operator, lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And, of course, above all of that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. So let's jump right back into the mailbag with Peter Dillard. He wants to know, do you see any other team besides Arizona picking or trading up into the top three for Kyler Murray? If the Cardinals don't pick him, I just don't see any way the draft doesn't go Bosa, Williams, Allen in some order. It's really hard to say. Right now, everybody kind of assumes that he's going to Arizona. But I guess theoretically, let's say Bosa ends up going number one instead and it's all been a smokescreen with Kyler Murray. It's entirely possible that somebody jumps up to number two or number three to get Kyler Murray. I think other than that, if those three teams stay put, obviously there's no way. But I wouldn't be entirely surprised if Murray is on the board after the first pick, if some team were to jump up. It's hard to say who. I don't know that he fits with the Giants typically like because they like those pocket passers. I think if anything, they would prefer Haskins or even Daniel Jones. There's been some buzz about that. Maybe the Raiders. There's been some talk that the Raiders really like Kyler Murray. So if he slipped, maybe they would make a move to two or three to avoid the possibility of somebody trading ahead of them. I honestly don't know. It's a really difficult question. The other thing there is that obviously Josh Rosen would no longer be in play if Murray is on the board because there are all these rumors that Rosen may go. So whoever he gets traded to would be off the board. So let's say it's the Redskins. Well, now maybe if the Redskins like Murray, they're tempted to make some sort of big move up the board. Really hard to say. I would think that there's probably a less than 50% chance that Murray would go in the top three if he doesn't go number one, only because I don't know where the major action would be coming from, and I'm not sure that anybody loves Murray as much as supposedly Kingsbury does. But I wouldn't rule out a team like the Redskins. You never want to rule out a team like the Redskins or the Raiders because John Gruden is completely unpredictable, as is Bruce Allen and Daniel Snyder. Yeah, I think that... uh Right, what McCagnan is rooting for and hoping for is the Arizona not to take Kyler Murray and the 49ers to take you, you know, Bosa or Quinn and Williams. And then they're sitting there at three with Kyler Murray still on board. And then he can start uh, fielding offers because Kyler Murray is the one quarterback in this draft that I could see teams getting excited enough to trade up and give something uh, a real huge, a good haul there. Um, the, the Giants aren't taking Kyler Murray. That I, I'm agreeing with you there for sure. Uh, I do think John Gruden would definitely be interested. I could see Washington uh, being interested. Uh, you know, maybe Miami would be interested. Everybody seems to think right now that they're gonna, uh, you know, kind of punt on this year, but they're probably thinking they can't get Kyler Murray. Would they be interested in Kyler Murray? Kyler Murray, there's there's questions about him, but. If you're comparing him to the rest of this draft, the quarterback draft, he's the guy. He's the only one that I'd be really interested in. Like I said, I, I like Haskins. I think Haskins can be a solid starting quarterback, but I don't think he's ever going to be great when things break down around him. It, it, things don't te- typically go that well. I think Kyler Murray is the one guy that could really get that package, that offer up for the Jets. I'm, it seems like he's probably going to go number one still, but uh, that's that's the best thing that could happen to the Jets in my mind is sitting there. Uh, and then, yeah, like the Broncos wouldn't take him either. We know they're going to be looking at quarterback, but we know uh, 
Elway likes his 80-foot quarterbacks, so he's not going to go to the little guy with Kyler Murray. But I think that, you know, a Washington or, you know, maybe a Miami or John Gruden would do that. Would John Gruden want to, you know, he, they're sitting there at four. No, the Jets aren't taking him, but maybe they want to swap to prevent somebody else from taking him. I think that's the best-case scenario for McCagnin, is hoping that Kyler Murray's there at three. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Gus Toon's got another question. He says, everybody wants an edge at three if the Jets can't trade down, and everyone's talking about Allen or Bosa. But if the Jets draft Quentin Williams, I think he makes so many people around him that much better and arguably could get double-digit sacks. Would he be the more sensible pick, even if it's not as popular as the two edge rushers? I think so. I've been very vocal about this. This is not going to be a surprise to anybody that's followed me on Twitter or listen to any of my podcasts, I think Quinton Williams is the best player in this draft, and I think it's by a comfortable margin. I think that he's a guy that can make the defense better in so many ways. He can lift the play specifically of Leonard Williams. I think he can get to the quarterback. He can stuff the run. He can take on double and triple teams. He can do everything. His instincts are incredible, just the way that his eyes follow the ball, and he knows exactly where the ball is going. He can line up anywhere on the defensive line. I've said this before. He's like a more athletic Joe Klecko that way. He can play in a 3-4 or 4-3, so if Greg Williams decides to eventually transition to the 4-3, he can do that too. That's something that you would want to keep an eye on with Josh Allen, by the way, because if Greg Williams eventually does want to transition to a 4-3 from a 3-4, Josh Allen instantly becomes less valuable, whereas I don't think that's the case with Quentin Williams or even Nick Bosa. So yeah, I think it's a less flashy pick. I think that a lot of the fan base would be upset about it. But I absolutely think it would be the more sensible pick. And here's the other aspect of this, and I've talked about this a bunch. Allen has a super high ceiling, but a reasonably middle of the road to low floor. I'm not saying that he's either the greatest player ever or the worst player ever, but I could see a scenario where he's Khalil Mack elite edge or a scenario where he's just kind of a jag producer like a Vic Beasley or something like that. As far as Nick Bosa... I think he's basically his brother. Barring injury, his ceiling and his floor are pretty much identical. He's a guy that's most likely going to get you 10 to 12 sacks every year. He'll beat up on the weaker competition and the middle of the road guys. The elite level guys would lock him up. Anytime he faces somebody with long arms because he's got short arms 
or someone that can handle his technique because he wins on power and technique, he's going to have a lot of trouble. And in fact, this year, if you look at the Jets' schedule, they're going up against the Giant division. And so I find that interesting because I'm thinking about Nick Bosa going up against Trent Williams, Tyron Smith, and Lane Johnson, and I see him losing badly against all three of those guys. That said, there will be a game where he gets two or three sacks. So I think he'll be in the Pro Bowl discussion most years if he's healthy. But with Quentin Williams, I think he's the rare case where his floor and his ceiling are both really, really high. I said this the other day. I think his floor could be Fletcher Cox and his ceiling could be Aaron Donald. So that is an incredibly special player. Like I said, he can do everything you could ask. He's an incredible athlete, especially for a guy his size. He's strong. He's got incredible technique. Instincts off the charts. I would absolutely pick him number one overall, and it would take a lot to get me to move off of him. Like I said, not the flashy pick because you'll see the highlight reels of Bosa getting a bunch of sacks and bunches, or if Allen hits, he could be getting you a lot of highlight reel sacks. But I think Quinton Williams could get you double-digit sacks many years, and I think that he's a guy that could lift the play of everyone around him, like Gus said, and can do so many different things to help this defense and could be there for a really long time because he's only 21 years old, which people forget. So the sky's the limit for him. Like I said, sensible, not sexy, but yeah, absolutely. That pick would make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I'm 100% in agreement there. And I'm going to say this again, and I'm going to repeat myself forever until the end of time. People have this idea that you need an edge rusher. like You can only rush the quarterback off the edge. You want inside rush, too. Quinnen Williams brings that. And not just that inside rush, you talk to quarterbacks, they'd rather get face a great edge than a great inside pass rusher it's easier to just step in front of the guy coming around the edge just sidestepping around them and then move out of the pocket when the guy's coming right at your face and you got nowhere to go it's harder for them to maneuver around that uh so pressure from the inside is just as disruptive if not more disruptive and yes, I get it. The Jets do need an edge. I'm not saying that they don't need that. Uh, you know, Bulls, they kind of have this philosophy that you, about getting the inside pressure, but, you know, they didn't get enough guys to really do that, and they ignored the edge. You can get a Quinn and Williams, and then you can try and hope that a Ja'Kai Polite falls to the third, or, you know, a Chase Winovich from Michigan is still around in the third or something. Yeah, unlikely, but it's, you can do something like that. Quinn and Williams is that much of a better player uh, that I am absolutely taking him. If I'm stuck at three, I am absolutely taking him in that scenario, and he's a much better player. Like you said, he's versatile. You can move him all around all over. But again, this idea that the pressure needs to come from the edge, that's the only way you can pressure quarterbacks, is kind of insane because it's its devoid of reality. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
If you haven't read Robert Mays' article about this exact subject, you really should. It's available now at The Ringer, and he talks about how the Patriots have largely gotten by without big-time edge rushers, with the occasional exception like Chandler Jones, but they didn't pay him, which shows you that they don't necessarily value pressure coming that way. Kansas City let their two big edge rushers go, and they're content to see what Chris Jones can really do for them. Obviously, we know what's going on with the Rams with Aaron Donald. I know they signed Fowler for one year, but they didn't make any kind of major investment. And I do recognize that Aaron Donald is a transcendent talent, but still you get the point. There are ways to get pressure without the edge. Sure, you want one, but if you can get a tremendous presence on the interior that can do a lot of that, you get to the quarterback quicker, and it's a lot more valuable, especially when you're playing against quarterbacks that have quicker releases. And if you read Mace's article, you'll see that a lot of the newer quarterbacks have much quicker releases than the guys in the past, and that's why teams are starting to begin to put a premium on interior pressure. It's going to be an interesting trend to watch. We'll see if it's the beginning of a league-wide trend and if it starts to go in the direction of teams valuing top interior guys more than they value the edge rushers, but it's worth noting that some of the best teams in the league are kind of moving away from the idea of paying these guys. I'm not saying they're not valuable, but it's interesting that some teams might be thinking that they're less valuable than they were in the past. Next question comes in from John He says, we know who the top three players on your draft board are and how you rank them. So what does your board look after those guys? I don't want to get into like a long thing on this. So I'm just going to give you the next four players on my board in order. I've got Jawan Taylor, and I think Jawan Taylor is, like I said, the Josh Allen of offensive tackles in this draft in the sense that the weaknesses with him involve technique, but I think he's got power. I think he's got speed. I think he's got good feet. And with the right offensive line coaching, I think he could be a really, really good offensive lineman. Ed Oliver, same thing. We talked about him a little bit earlier. I think technique-wise, he's a lot weaker than Quentin Williams. He's obviously not as big, but he soaks explosive and has great athleticism and I think if he gets the right coach he could be a difference maker on the defensive line like I said nowhere near as safe a bet as Quentin Williams and I think Quentin Williams has a much 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 better chance of being a great player than Ed Oliver but still there's a lot of talent there Brian Burns another guy that I like I don't think he's anywhere near the level of Josh Allen or Nick Bosa as far as edge talent he's a very twitchy guy though so he wins with his speed the thing I worry about with him more than anything is the fact that he played in college at a lower weight at about 230 pounds. You're encouraged by the fact that he got to the combine at 249 and was able to hold the weight and perform well. But can he keep that weight on consistently and perform well with that weight against guys in pads? That is definitely a risk. But I think if you were to trade down a bit, that might be a risk worth taking. We were talking about this yesterday. If, say, the Jets and Redskins made a deal and the Jets moved down to 15, I think Burns would be really good value there. And TJ Hawkinson is another guy I really like. I know that a lot of Jets fans will say they don't need a tight end because they have Christopher Herndon. Listen, if you have two really good tight ends, both of whom can block and both of whom can catch, you create a lot of very interesting mismatches, especially when you now have Jamison Crowder in the slot and, of course, Le'Veon Bell as your running back who can catch passes out of the backfield and create mismatches that way. Let's say you have Herndon, Hawkinson, Crowder, and Le'Veon Bell in at the same time. 
you now have four guys that are going to be covered in mismatches, and you're going to create opportunities for guys like Anunua and Robbie Anderson on top of it. The bottom line is, especially when you're a guy like Adam Gase, you look for mismatches, you look for ways to exploit the weaknesses of the other team while accentuating the strengths of your own team. And I think there are a lot of different ways that Gase could play offensive chess if he had pieces like that. So I think you run some two tight end sets the way that the Patriots used to do with Gronk and Aaron Hernandez, and you could see a very interesting offense. Because listen, everybody wants that number one wide receiver, but all it comes down to is moving the chains and putting the ball in the end zone. doesn't matter whether that's done by a number one wide receiver, a running back, catching passes out of the backfield, tight ends, whatever you got to do to create mismatches and move the ball forward and get points. That's what you got to do. And I think that TJ Hawkinson would be a really nice weapon in a lot of ways. Plus, like I said, a plus blocker as well. And that could be something that the Jets should look at if they trade down a little bit too. Yeah, I, I had, I'm had i still working my way through some of the film on a lot of these other guys. So, you know, it's not like I have a top uh, a 10 set or anything yet. Uh, but I'll say, you know, I'll start the list with that Oliver there. And, uh, you know, you can throw in Brian Burns and, uh, I, you know, Sweat, I don't like uh, or as much. But, uh, you know, if again, if they went into trade back range, he's somebody that they could consider as another pass rusher. And then on the offensive side of the ball, if, if you're drafting in the first round and you just want uh, to pluck an offensive player, any offensive player, and say which one would help this team the most right away, I think the, my answer is Hawkins, Hawkinson. And, you know, I saw somebody post on Twitter the other day that, uh, you know, talking about how Hawkinson's such a great blocker, but uh, people are getting carried away with his receiving, and he's, he's not a Travis Kelsey or a uh, George Kittle receiver. He's more of a Tyler Eifert receiver. And I'm not sure how that was meant because, like, if that was an insult, because I don't know if this person remember uh, Tyler Eifert coming out of college before he was hurt was an awesome receiver. He was somebody that I was saying the Jets should definitely go after, and it's just the injuries has derailed him as a receiver. He's not the athletic make plays after the catch like Kittle and Kelsey, but like you said, like I've been saying, he he's basically two positions in one. He's an extra offensive lineman, and he can catch and make plays with the ball. Um, so he, I think, would be the biggest help. Again, uh, I said this last week, I'm a big DK Metcalf fan. I think that would be a huge help. And if he would really round out this receiving core, you get uh, Metcalf with Quincy and Robbie and Crowder and Le'Veon Bell and Herndon. That would be really scary. Donald would have so many weapons to work with. I think that would be a big help. Obviously, I'm with you with John Taylor. I still I still like Jonah Williams. I think that he's getting a little bit uh, you know, forgotten here. I still think there's a lot to like there. So there's still plenty of other players. And again, that's that's why I'm all in favor of trading back. You, you can trade back and you're going to still get some really good players. Probably not the quite Quinn and Williams level, but 
can get more of them. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Next question comes in from Rodimus Prime. He says, I think even without knowing what the Jets do in the draft, based on their week schedule and the additions they made, 9-7 and seven is a realistic goal. What do you think? Yeah, I don't see why not. I'm not saying it's a definite thing that's going to happen, but I don't see why it would be something that anybody would think is insane. Now, obviously, like you alluded to, we have to wait and see what they do in the draft. However... If you look at the schedule, they have to play Miami twice, and Miami's basically forfeited the season. They have to play the Bills twice. The Giants are probably not going to be very good. They have to play them. The Redskins are probably not going to be very good. They have to play them. You could go down the rest of the list of teams that they have to play, but the schedule is very, very weak. So if they beat most of the teams that they're supposed to beat and throw in a team or two that they're not supposed to beat, I don't see why it's out of the realm of possibility they could get to 9-7. and seven. And again, the picture will become a little clearer once the draft happens and even after we see some of the roster cutdowns. Oh, that, that last part you're talking about is the tricky part because as we know, this is the Jets like to do this. I, I, uh, you know, they, they like to play good, really good against the better teams and then lose those games against the lesser teams. But uh, I, is that a realistic goal? Absolutely. That's a realistic goal. I, I probably stopped short of expecting them to get there. But, you know, we know Jets coaches, first-year coaches, typically tend to do really well. Uh, they've had a lot of success. Even Bulls, they didn't miss, make the playoffs, but they had a really good season. And you get to play that last place schedule. You got to have all that. And even we see lots of quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks come in and then they have a, a little bit of a sophomore slump because all defenses have tape on them. They know how to defend them a little bit differently. Well, that's a little different this year because this will be Darnold's first ta- uh, time with Gase. So it, there's going to be new wrinkles and everyone's going to have to adjust there. So it's absolutely a realistic go- uh, goal. It's what they should probably be shooting for we'll have to wait and see if they can get there but i you know i'm certainly not going to be surprised if they get there i'm not going to be i i think right now if you ask me to uh, to definitely predict the roster i'm going somewhere between nine and seven and seven and nine and i feel pretty confident that they'll end up somewhere in the middle there my my concern here is what will happen in year two and three of the adam gase era Next question comes in from John. He wants to know, if the Jets did pick Quinn and Williams, do you think that would mean that it would be wise for them to trade Leonard Williams? If so, what do you think they could get for him? I think your best case scenario with Leonard Williams is probably a second round pick, and I wouldn't trade him, and here's why. He's got one year left on his deal, and the Jets aren't hurting for cap space, so there's no reason to rush to get him out of here. I would like to see what he could do with Quinn and Williams next to him. I think the two of them could be just a nasty combination. I think they could plug up the run. I think they could get to the quarterback together and they could be a real dynamic duo, especially with CJ Mosley back there, helping them seal down the run. I think that your best scenario there would be to ride it out with Leo for a year. See if he plays well. If he plays well, you franchise tag him 
and you trade him or you sign him to a long-term deal. If he doesn't play that well but plays up to his normal level, you get a third-round comp pick when he goes somewhere else. And I would rather take the chance and just get the third-round comp pick than trade him now for a second rounder and watch him blossom somewhere else at 24 years old. So my answer is I would ride with Leonard Williams even if they draft Quinton Williams. And I actually think that having Leonard Williams makes it a better pick because then you have somebody next to Quentin to help him out. So that's my answer there. I would love to see the two of them together, and I would not trade Leonard Williams unless somebody makes some sort of crazy offer, which I don't anticipate. Yeah, crazy offer aside, and then you know, if like Arizona decides to give the first pick of the second round and Brian Burns is still on board or something crazy like that, then maybe I'm going to consider it. But I'm with you. If... uh, I want to see the two of them together. I want to see, regardless of who they take, I want to see Leonard Williams with Greg Williams. We've been talking about this a lot off air, about what's happened with Leonard Williams and how he was uh, you know, underrated and he went to overrated, and now he's back to underrated because people are talking about him like he's some terrible player, like he's a bust and a failure of a draft pick. He's still a really good football player. Every other team in this league would love to have a Leonard Williams on their team. He has not taken the next step like we thought he was going to do after his rookie season and everything. He has not progressed like everyone thought. So that is disappointing. Jets fans should be a little disappointed in him and his progression, but he's still a really good football player. This idea that it's like you need to get rid of Leonard Williams, he's a bust and a failure, is ridiculous and it's nonsense. Yes, you want more from him, and if you don't get more from him next season, then go ahead, move on from him, and collect that third-round comp pick. But you know what? You're definitely getting that third-round comp pick because there's going to be a team out there who is going to give Leonard Williams big money because he is a really good football player. I want to see a, a, a you know, I'd want to see Leonard Williams and Quinton Williams together. I'd want to see Leonard Williams and Josh Allen or any other pass rusher together. I'd want to see that. So, uh, you know, if you can get a, a, a higher pick, a first round pick or a second, a couple picks, then maybe I'll entertain it. But uh, unless it's like somebody specific on board and I, that's who they want. There, there just has to be a lot of little things in here for me to say yes to that. I think I'd roll the dice. And again, this is a year we're talking about a nine and seven record as the realistic goal here. So you can afford to sit here and give Leonard Williams another year and see how this transpires under Greg Williams and see what happens there. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Absolutely. I agree 100% on that. Michael Nanny and I broke that down on the latest episode of Chronicles of Nanny. If you haven't listened to that, the episode is called The Leonard Williams Sack Conundrum. And we break down the fact that Leonard Williams is not converting his pressures to sacks at the rate that some of these other guys do. But we also analyze it to the point where you can see that a lot of it involves bad luck and that you're going to see a return to the mean. And you're more likely to see Leonard Williams with something along the lines of eight sacks most seasons based on his pressures. We'll see what happens with him and if he gets back to where he should be and where he's supposed to be. But like you said, Chris, especially if you have Quinton Williams or a high-impact pass rusher like Bosa or Allen there, I would be very curious to see what he does. And I don't think it's worth trading him for a second rounder now. I'd rather roll the dice with him and then, worst-case scenario, you get a third-round comp pick for him at the end of the season. 
Speaking of Michael Nania, by the way, he is the one that sends in our last question for this weekend mailbag, and it's this. He says, if the Jets are three and nine, are these new uniforms going to make me feel better about myself? The answer is yes. Don't you know the old saying, look good, feel good? <laughs> uh, this is Nania that asked the question and not Paulie, so I'm going to say no. <laughs> I, I'm going to say no. Maybe Paulie would sit there and be like, yeah, I still look clean and fresh in this jersey. It's okay. Um, Manny is also younger, so, uh, you know, Paulie's had a little more heartbreak. He's used to it with the Jets. He can roll with it as long as he looks fresh. So, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say no. This, they, they go three and nine, and, uh, we might see, be seeing videos of these jerseys burning real, real quick. By the way, breaking news as far as the jerseys go, I just got a text from Paulie. He says, I'm not expecting this to happen, but with all the attention I've been getting, do you think there's any chance the Jets will contact me and want to send me a jersey or something with the logo on it? It wouldn't shock me. You've been the poster boy, Paulie. Why not? They should send you. They should be grateful that you've ginned up so much interest. Paulie's probably done more for their jersey and merch sales than anybody alive. They should hire him for the marketing department as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it can't, it can't really go wrong, man. And, uh, you know, obviously Darren Lee and Jamal were spearheading this from the player's point of view, but it's Paulie's been whipping this up on Twitter. Paulie's, uh, I, I, you know, I love Paulie, I, but I kind of blame him for the frenzy, for everybody going nuts and going into it. It wasn't him, but he's the one that got it going and create, uh, whipped up all this interest. The Jets, the Jets would be wise to do it, but also the Jets probably sitting there saying, hey, he's going to keep, uh, you know, uh, trumpeting this for us anyway so we don't really need to go out of our way paulie play hard to get man stop <laughs> stop begging him play hard to get i'll be honest chris i think the jets owe it to him for all the effort he put in for all the interest he drummed up for all the money he probably put in their pockets like i said by being at this constantly over and over and over again and really setting twitter ablaze I think that they should send him a jersey and maybe even an autographed helmet signed by Jamal Adams and Sam Darnold, too. I don't know that they're going to do it, but if anybody from the Jets is listening to this, I highly recommend doing that. And in fact, I think that you should make Paulie some sort of goodwill ambassador. Yeah, I mean, it's a great idea. Uh, again, we're going to stick with the everybody loves somebody theme. Everybody loves Paulie. Go ahead. Trot him out there. Have it. Hey, let's do this. Have him. New Fireman Ed, Paulie, let's go. Dude, you want to talk about an upgrade, going from Fireman Ed, all due respect, I don't know him, but come on now, you go from Fireman Ed to Paulie, that's a massive upgrade. Honestly, that's like going from Isaiah Crowell to Le'Veon Bell. Let's just call it for what it is. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. Again, everything with Paulie is so genuine and pure, I don't know how you can't get caught up in it. And the Jets would be wise to try to do something for him. But uh, again, Paulie. He's back. You know, play a little hard to get here. Make him work for it. Chris, you're in the locker room, so I expect you to help us get this campaign going. For Paulie to be a fan liaison, I think he was made for that job. And also, the other thing is, I need you to get to Leonard Williams. Michael Nanny and I talked about this on Chronicles of Nannia this past week. All of the best pass rushers seem to wear glasses. We see Von Miller with glasses. Demarcus Lawrence wears glasses. I'm not even saying he should wear them for vision, even if they're just decorative glasses. But I feel like if Leonard Williams starts wearing glasses, he could jump to double-digit sacks in 2019. Well, this is interesting. This isn't something I ever thought about. You know, I've seen it with Von Miller. Okay, okay, there might be something to this. I'll have to look 
do a little more research, see if there's something to this, and I'll, I'll mention it to him. Because another you know, thing with Leonard is he talks about this, but he wants those sack numbers up. He'll sit there and talk about how it's not – he wants those numbers up. He's he's right with the pressures, but he wants those numbers up too. It's frustrating to him too. So maybe there's something to that. If I dig in and I find that there, I'll go ahead and run it by him, float by him, see what he says. And then, you know, if uh, all of a sudden you see him start doing uh, interviews with glasses and you'll know what it is. I think there's two aspects to it. Number one, it's the Clark Kent Superman thing. He takes off the glasses and there's this empowering feeling. And the second thing is, I think the old adage is true. Nobody wants to hit a guy with glasses. Yeah, that's fair. You're a big dog, or as J.B. Smooth called him, and then he correctly <laughs> pointed, pointed out, no, no, it's big cat. Uh, but if he had glasses, you know, maybe maybe uh, relaxes somebody, people, they don't take him as seriously, and then he just hits them in the mouth. Yeah, maybe there's something to that. I'll have to look into this and float it by him. I have to say real quickly before we run, the J.B. Smooth thing made me remember what John from Razorsport.com was telling me as we were watching the jersey unveiling together in between two of the wrestling shows that I was at when it was going on. He said, this is typical Jets. Of course, Larry David is a diehard Jets fan, but instead of getting Larry David, they get his sidekick from Larry David's show. So all due respect to J.B. Smoove, who I think is hilarious on Curb Your Enthusiasm, but it is kind of funny that the guy who's the star of the show is a diehard Jets fan, but instead they settle for the guy who's second fiddle. Yeah, I, I imagine maybe maybe they placed a call to Larry David and Larry just laughed at him and hung up and didn't even respond. Like, I ain't leaving my house for nothing like that. Come on, get out of here. But, ah, let's go to J.B. Smooth. Uh, that works. I can see Larry doing the whole, oh, that sounds like a whole to-do. I don't know. I got to leave the yes. house and get in the car. And you want me to come out? It could be bad weather. What do I got to do is stand on the podium and then I got to make rhymes. It seems like a whole lot of work. Well, also, the thing that makes Larry David the perfect Jet fan is, you know, how self-deprecating he is. And uh, the Jets probably might not want to shy away from having Larry David around doing that stuff because Larry David is is going to make a bunch of jokes about the Jets, would make a bunch <laughs> of jokes about the Jets and about himself. And, yeah, they we know how sensitive they can be about some of those things. And Larry Dave is going to let some would let some stuff fly that uh, they probably wouldn't be too happy with. There's a famous story back before the 2006 draft. Larry David called Steve Gutman, who was president of the Jets at the time, and told him, whatever you do, you have to pick Vince Young in the draft. I guess he shined him on it and said, oh, that's cool. Yeah, we'll think about it. Thanks, Larry. Of course, it ended up not happening. Who knows if the Jets would have picked Vince Young, but it doesn't matter because he was off the board to pick before them, and they ended up with Shaw Ferguson. I'd say the Jets did okay there. Not yes. that Shaw Ferguson's going to the Hall of Fame, but he was a really good left tackle for a decade. And as much as I love Vince Young as a Texas Longhorns fan, and it pains me to say it, that was not the wisest use of the number three overall pick in the draft, as it turns out. So, Larry David, funny guy, love Curb Your Enthusiasm, but perhaps when it comes to Jets' decisions, they're better left to other people. Yeah, I, I, w- I would definitely shy away from uh, Larry David making scouting decisions. That said, if Larry David were to make scouting decisions, even though it might not produce a great football team, if they were to set up a camera so that we could see his thought process for how he made those decisions, it would, would make watch. for incredibly hilarious television. Take all my money. Take all my money. <laughs> take it. Take it. I have to give it to all of it. Just have it. Yeah, every money I make forever, just take it. 
And thus concludes our weekend mailbag, Mr. Nimbly. Thank you for joining me as always. Appreciate the great questions from everybody who sent them in. We will do another mailbag next week. And despite what Jesse said, there are still a ton of questions. Anything you want to know, anything that's on your mind, throw it out there involving the Jets, the NFL, or life in general. Or, of course, Paulie. If you want to know something about Paulie, yep. we'll do our best to answer that one too. Make sure you send that in. In the meantime, make sure that you visit Chris and Follow him on social media. And Chris, for those that don't know how to do that, why don't you go ahead and let him know? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at, at CNimbly and at Jets Insider and JetsInsider.com. You can find the work. We we'll have you know, a bunch more draft content coming out soon. Like I said, I, I'm working through. I got, I'm got i pretty close to getting my top 10 solidified. And then after that, I'm going to move on to you know looking at uh, second, third, fourth round players, whatnot. But uh, there'll be a whole bunch. I got a whole bunch of stuff ready to go once we creep closer and closer to the draft time. Make sure you follow Chris on Twitter. Head over to JetsInsider.com. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.